You're listening to the Women Inspiring Women podcast. Each week, network marketing professional and mom-turned-entrepreneur Melanie Mitro gives you her tried-and-true tips for building a business from your kitchen table. This self-made millionaire went from a stay-at-home mom to the top of a network marketing business in just three years. She built an online health and fitness business from the ground up while raising babies and juggling being a mom and wife. Now she wants to help you become the boss of your own life. For blog posts, business tips, and more, check out her website at melaniemitro.com. Now let's get to the show. Here's your host, Melanie Mitro. Well, hey, everybody. It is Melanie Mitro, the host of the Women Inspiring Women podcast. And I am always excited for every week's episode that drops. But this week, I'm really excited because I have a special guest on the podcast, which doesn't happen very often. But I am bringing my business partner, Katie Ersta from Chic Influencer. Hey. <laughs> and not only <laughs> my business partner, but she's my best friend in life. We've done direct sales together for 11 years. She is in my organization. I just am so grateful for your friendship, for your partnership, and for all the years that we have just gotten to do life together. So I'm yeah. excited to be here today. I know. I am so honored. Actually, when you say 11 years, do you ever go where, like how, how is that even possible that it's been 11 years? Yeah. I mean, Matt said to me yesterday or the day before he was like, do you realize you have been doing your business longer than I worked in corporate? And I was like, Oh, wow. Actually, now that you say that I have been doing it longer than I was a teacher. Yeah. Like my whole career in education, I have now been doing direct sales longer. Yeah. Mind blown. Fact of the day. Yeah. There you go. So kind of crazy. So, so here we are, we're on the podcast today. And the reason that we're doing this podcast episode is because I want to talk about just, I want to talk about just pillars of success in direct sales. And the reason is number one, I know that you just launched the direct sales done right book, which is it's at the time that this is airing, it is officially out into the world. And And it's, it's amazing, right? It's like kind of hard to believe that, that has happened. People are getting it. People are purchasing it. They're loving it. But our launch team has been reading it, loving it. And the one thing that our community knows about you, and I know about you personally, is just you have a way with words and you have a way of putting them into, into story and then uh, just really moving people to take action through your story, mm-hmm. your words. And you have had, you know, just a, a an incredible journey in your direct sales business and incredible success. And I know that every direct seller, social seller, network marketer out there is going through a roller coaster. It may not be the same roller coaster of emotions that you went through, but they're all right. related, right? right. Like there, right? There are these ups and downs. And you broke down the book into these five key areas. And Mm -hmm. I, and those really are the five key areas that people go through in their direct sales business, whether they need to master or navigate through. And I want to talk through that today. And I want my listeners to know you're not alone in the struggle and that there is a framework that you can follow to achieve success. And I want to give them just a piece of advice in each of those key sections. Yeah. Right. But there's no secret to success. No. I feel like people always want the 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 key piece or the secret piece, and it's really not a secret. Yeah, you're right. It's not. It's not a secret. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we do a really good job of just showing the the hard work that really does go into 
Oh, for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. So before we dive into those, the first section, I just, will you introduce yourself? Cause I know there are people that don't know you as crazy as that might sound. So tell us a little bit about your story and who you are. Yeah. So my name is Katie Ersta. I live in Swickley, PA. I actually spent the early part of my career as an educator. I taught seventh grade reading. I loved, love, love, loved my career as an educator. And I didn't really get involved with the politics of it. And I, I think things would be a little bit different now, but I really genuinely love teaching seventh grade reading. And I think a big part of why I loved it is because number one, those kiddos are so awkward at that age and they're so fun. They're still kids, but they're also figuring things out. And I had a role, I had an opportunity to really walk them through such a defining part of, of their lives. And I also loved that I was able to select books for my students that also were thematic enough that they could take them back to their own lives and say, I relate to this character because, Mm -hmm. and I found so much joy in helping kids find books that really spoke to them and, and really move them into not just a love for, for literature, but a a love for understanding people and how people resolve problem problems and how people move through conflict. And I just saw that this need that students had to be understood is the same type of theme that I see in marketing with 11 years of experience in the direct sales industry is people really want to be seen and heard and understood. And that didn't change from my adolescence that I taught in seventh grade. Yeah. I'm getting, and I'll interrupt you just because I'm okay. a hundred days to brave right now. And I'm pretty sure you have in the past, right? Have you read Annie? Dow? Yes. It's been a quite, it's been a few years though. Yeah. I, I think I like yeah. pulled it back off my bookshelf and yeah reading it. And in there, in one of the days was, you know, you're, you're all given this calling in life, like this purpose, God, mm-hmm. you this purpose and yours is clearly with words and teach and writing. And so if you look at your purpose and your calling, it was formed in you as an educator, right? Like yeah. that was your, that's your gift. That's your passion. It's connect the, allowing people to overcome adversity or step into their fullest potential through story and words. Then you like did it in the direct sales space through building your team and building your business. And so it was all about the story and your story matters. And now look, you're doing it with the book, right? So even right. though the way you are delivering, I get chills, like even though the yeah. way delivering is different. It presents differently. That's your calling of how you. Yeah. It's so cool that you say it that way. It is. It is funny. Like I always think that there's little clues in who we are about where we are called to go. And for me, I started my love for story when I was just a kid. I was, I was the type of kid who would tell, ask my mom to go to the library and I would sit in the corner of the library and read the choose your own adventure books. Yeah. And I would read them to the point where I had chosen every adventure possible. And then I would write my own adventures. So it was just the way that I was, I was always wired was this, I really sought to understand people and how they tick and how they work. And so even now beyond just the book, even what I do through chic, I do these chic branding experiences. I just find people fascinating and everybody's story is so different and relevant and just, I love it. I, I I love what I do. I love what I do so much. I love that. I love that. Okay. So you're the master at story, helping people uncover their story, but also telling stories to help people feel more connected. Mm-hmm. And 
inside of the Direct Sales Done Right book, which is a proven path to stop wasting your time and start making meaningful money, you really break it down into five sections. And I want to walk people through in their direct sales business, you know, what are those keys to being successful? So get off with the first one. Well, let's dive in. But before we do, I want to talk about the title for a second. Okay. Uh, the title direct sales done right is there's two parts to it. So the title direct sales done right is because I wanted to share how wrong I really got it. I did not always get it right when I was building a direct sales business. And in fact, I was so busy trying to figure it out. And you and I were pretty new to the business at the same time. I think you had one year more of experience than I did, but most of it was a mess. We were really trying to figure things out as we were trying to figure out how to lead a team, how to increase our sales. And then we also had Blogspot too. So we were trying to figure out how to be bloggers and manage our time. So it was a really messy process. But as we were learning, we really figured out how to do a few things right. But we figured those things out by getting a lot of those things wrong. So direct sales done right is really the journey of figuring it out. And the second part of that process is a proven path to stop wasting time and start making meaningful money. And when I say that, I look at how many people we have conversations with who do not know anything about time management, or they feel like they're spending all of this time on a social media post or on on social media, and they feel like they're wasting time. And to be honest with you, sometimes they are, and they really are. And it's so painful to watch because if they just made a few adjustments to their daily activities and were more productive in the, the income producing activities, they would see a different result. And then the third part of that is the meaningful money. And for me personally, when I was in direct sales, I had such an educator's mindset in that I understood the comp plan according to the union. And I didn't have this understanding of like creating this large income for my family or anything beyond sort of what I looked at as time connected to a nine to five. And when I looked at making the income, especially as my income started to grow, I remember feeling kind of guilty about it, feeling kind of weird about it. And I wanted to feel really connected to the impact that my income was associated with. And so when I look at meaningful money, it's not that you're just selling product. It's not that you're just building a team so that they they create commissions for you. It's that you are an active role in creating commissions that feel good, creating income that feels good. And so that meaning behind the title is I want you to get in. I want you to do the work feel good about the work you're doing and know that you matter. Like you matter enough to be in this space. You didn't have to earn it. You don't have to be a certain rank or title or whatever in your business. You show up as you are and you're meaningful as you are right now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So it's, and even just this morning, I was having a conversation about, you know, action and the right action. So many people are just busy building their businesses, but it's, yeah, the right things. And, you know, a lot of that, even just spending the time on the right action steps has to do with mindset. It has to do with the goals that they're setting. And that really does kind of lead us perfectly into where we're going. Yeah. 
Yeah. So in section one, we talk about the mindset of a successful direct seller and how it's not just another life hack because I didn't want to just give advice to people about how to build a direct sales business or give you the same old tired. You have to believe and then you can achieve and you have to cast a vision and you have to really create these affirmations when there's really a technical way that you can do it that feels good and actually creates results. And To go into direct sales, there are three essential beliefs that you have to have. The first one is belief in the product. And I don't know about for you, but for me, that was the easy part. I love the product that I used. I used it before I ever signed up as a distributor. The second tends to be the one that becomes a little bit more difficult because then it gets into really into mindset and really into, um, is it possible for me to, and and that is belief in the opportunity. I find that most people are really comfortable with talking about the product, but then when it comes to talking about the opportunity, they get nervous. Like I'm not far enough along or who am I to think that people would want to join me, which is directly connected back to the third, which is belief in yourself and belief in yourself is a long process. That is a journey. There are times when you talked about the roller coaster at the beginning, Yeah. I find that that is very much a roller coaster. It's just sometimes you're riding high and you're like, I've got this. And then, you know, mid afternoon kind of comes in and you go, maybe I don't got this. And then you start having all these fears and this internal dialogue. And so I walk through very specific strategies that help me co- overcome some of those limiting beliefs too, that I really do feel will help others as well. So I, in the, in section one, uh, one of the concepts that you introduce is driving towards daylight. And I find that a lot of women, men, anybody in direct sales, they really look at the goal that they want to accomplish. I mean, it's a big goal, small goal, any goal, it doesn't matter the size, but most people get overwhelmed by the goal and sort of state, they actually just either psych themselves out, they talk themselves out of it. They just really get overwhelmed with all the steps that are going to need to take to get there. And so would you actually walk them through like, what is this driving towards daylight and how can, how can network marketers, social sellers really begin to actually take steps towards accomplishing their goals and it not feel so overwhelming? All right. So I love that you asked this question because you and I have such a different approach to even how we, uh, how we started in direct sales. So for you, you were really good at looking at a vision and just, it was, it was big from the beginning and you were ready to ride with it. You're ready to go with it. And I wasn't, (laughs) I mean, I was one of those people. I will never forget this call. It was one of my first team calls that I was on. And the woman who was presenting is like an upline of an upline of an upline of you, I believe. And she was talking about, I I believe her wedding and, and how she visualized getting married on the Amalfi coast or some kind of coastline or something. And she did the most insane job of casting the vision And I was, there I was in front of my sink and it was dirty dishes. I just put my son down for the night and I was just totally engulfed in her vision. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to set the world on fire. I'm totally going to do this. It's going to be amazing. And then the call ended 
And I still had the dirty dishes. I think I'd spit up on my shirt. I had a pile of like papers that needed graded. And I was like, never mind. Like, I'm not going to really like be able to do any of that. Mm -hmm. So I realized that for some people, visualizing and just going and taking action immediate is, is super simple. But for someone like me, I had a big vision, but it wasn't anything that people would be like, wow, that's crazy. My big vision was getting the groceries paid for. Yeah. That was the first big vision I had because any vision you have has to actually draw you to want to take action. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, a big vision of getting married on the Amalfi coast wasn't going to drive me to take action because number one, I was already happily married. I enjoyed my wedding. And number two, I didn't actually think I was the girl that was capable of doing something like that, creating such a big vision. And so I learned that no matter what vision I had, I had to actually believe that I was capable of achieving that vision. And over time, my vision would get bigger for what the business was, but I had to grow into the person who believed she was capable of creating that vision. And I sometimes feel like between uplines and their organization, there's a disconnect. They're often preaching dream big and have a big vision, but really their big vision is getting the groceries paid for. That's really what it's going to drive them into taking action. And so what I encourage people to do is, first of all, create what the vision is that you have. Uh, what What is it that you want to be able to achieve, achieve and make that so clear in your head? So for me, I pictured going into the grocery store. I pictured going in and loading up the cart. And then I, I pictured walking to the front of the register. And I actually visually remember thinking about the entire uh, cart being on the actual, um, what is that called? Like on the, yeah. And so I remember picturing it in my mind and then thinking about how good it would feel to hand over that card, my um, debit card and know that it wasn't going to get declined, that he wasn't going to say insufficient funds. And that's a big part of the story in there. And so I visualize that. Then what I do when I think about driving towards daylight is I, I blur out that big vision and I get really, really focused on what is right in front of me. And I think about like when you're driving towards daylight, you have your hands on the, the steering wheel, the, the 10 and the two, like of the steering wheel and your eyes stay focused right in between that but you don't see the big vision. What you see right in front of you is the road. You see maybe a little bit of what's around you, but your focus needs to be on the small, seemingly insignificant mile markers that are getting you closer to your daylight. So step one is blurring out the big vision or casting the big vision. And then it's blurring out the big vision. And then it's focusing on your mile markers. And then the fourth step is really divorcing yourself from the outcome and focusing more on the output. So the efforts that are going to be needed to actually get you closer to your daylight, because let's face it, there's going to be twists and turns. And sometimes the vision that you cast, you realize I actually am not really drawn towards that. I want to change it up a little bit. But the action you're taking is what's going to get you one step closer to ultimately wherever you're destined to go, whatever that vision is or however it changes over time. And then finally, it's just really believing without a shadow of a doubt that you are capable of achieving the goal. And the only way to do that is to take daily insignificant action, just nothing major. Mm -hmm. So I would say that if there is a secret to success, it's that. Yeah. I don't know. No, and, and I 
I had this conversation this morning with a group of people that I, I mentor and we were actually talking about how people are setting these goals and creating this vision, but is it really aligned to what they want? And also, yeah. so there is this big disconnect. So as, and then also there's a huge disconnect between the goal and what it's going to take to get there. People are like, I want this goal, but then they don't actually know the action steps. They're not actually taking right. full steps. And so for anybody listening, this is really a, inside of the book. There is a whole chapter, you know, part of that, you know, chapter three is all about actually figuring that out. So there are takeaways, yeah. there are questions to ask, there are reflection points in there too. And I feel like this is a big problem. It starts at the granular level of what is your vision. And it doesn't matter if you are a big vision person or a small mm-hmm. vision person. Like, I think that is not important. I, I mean, it's important to know what you are and how you work, but every goal needs to be broken down. It doesn't matter the size right. of the goal. Every goal needs to have associated action steps. It needs to have that belief. It needs to have that mile marker mindset. That's yeah. how you build one on top of the other in terms of your success for sure. Yeah. And the one thing I didn't say about driving towards daylight is you also have to be willing to celebrate along the way too. So the small wins along the way. I'm guilty of not doing a great job of this. Sometimes we can get so focused on that big vision or just like the action that we're taking towards our, our mile markers that we forget a lot of times there are just these little moments where you're supposed to pat yourself on the back and go, I did it. Whether that is you took action, you filled out your income producing activity tracker. You actually did the direct sales done right planner for the entire week and stuck to it. Those things matter. Those wins, they release endorphins. When you release endorphins, you have more joy towards what you're actually doing. And when you have more joy towards it, you show more energy. When you show more energy, people are naturally gravitating towards you. Yes. So those things matter too. They do. They do. Okay. So now we're going to go into section number two and the second. Okay. And I really feel like, okay, we set people up with mindset, but now we have recognized, I want this to be a business. I I have, I'm in my direct sales business and I've decided that I want to have a level of success. That level of success is determined by you, no matter what, if it's supplemental or significant. And so now there is this shift that kind of needs to happen. And one of the things that you write right in chapter four is treat your business like a business. It will pay you like a business, treat your business like a hobby and it will pay you like a hobby. And it's like every upline and mentor everywhere, right? Like was kind of how you started chapter number four. Yeah. So let's actually talk about that of, you know, owning your role in your success and moving on to that next key piece. Okay, so I'm not going to ruffle any feathers here, but I feel as though it's really important to address that some people really do look at the direct sales opportunity as a hobby. They come into it and they want it to be a hobby. They genuinely enjoy it, but they aren't really interested in the bigger, the bigger vision that so many people have for it. And I want you to know that's okay. So I know that you have a lot of leaders on here. I think that there has to be a conversation with people about really meeting them where they're at and understanding what their goals are for the direct sales opportunity. You as a leader 
you do your organization a disservice when you discount the hobbyist on your team because a hobby team member, and I don't even want to call them a hobbyist, right? Like I don't want to say that. It's somebody that just wants to share the products. It's somebody that maybe just wants to get their products paid for every month. They want to invite a few friends. They, they just want to socially share it. That generates, that still creates significance and loyalty and makes an impact in that person's life. And you do a disservice as a leader when you are forcing somebody to do more than they want to do. You turn them off from the opportunity and then they leave and maybe they would have stuck around for a really long time if you just would have honored where they were. So I just feel like it's important to always listen to what your team members are saying and meet them where they are at. So Yeah. So I feel like, like, amen, hallelujah. Like we don't even need to say anymore. Okay. (laughs) It's so true though. And Melanie, we can be transparent on this podcast too, where we can actually say like, we made this mistake. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we thought people would, they, we were so excited about our business and our company and our goals that we just assumed like everyone would be. And I can't even think about the times that I probably turned people away because I was a lot. That was a lot. So I'm not sure. And that's okay. We learn from that. We mentor very differently now. And it's not and it's not that we don't push people. We still push people if they want to want to have big goals, but we also are very much like, what does this person want? Let me make sure I'm mentoring them based on what they want. Right. Versus what I want them to do or what I need them to do for me. Yeah. And throughout that section, we talk about, well, what are the action steps? What do I need to do? Uh, What does it look like to set goals as a direct seller? But I want to go back to what we were saying about a hobbyist or a business owner. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want the business to be for you, you just want to make sure that the that the goals that you're setting align to what you actually want. Mm-hmm. So if you are somebody who looks at it as, as a hobby, as something where you just want to get the products paid for, and then you go, I don't understand why I'm not making more income. I don't understand why my team isn't growing. Well, are you treating it more like a hobby? But your expectation is that of a business owner. Yeah. So really clarifying exactly what you your goals are for the business is big. Yeah. And that really is a huge part of that section too, is goals, right. but also income producing activities. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, I, and that is key. I, people get stuck on, people get stuck on, I'm going to watch this person's live. I'm going to show up for this training. I'm going to yep. do this team call and they're working, but then they're not actually doing anything that really is going to produce income. And so no matter how much money you want to earn, I really like that you actually put in there our little example of the two hour work day. Like if you only had a short amount of time to build your business, this is what it would actually look like. So I love that. Like we're not just telling story. You're not just telling stories in the book, but you're actually saying, and this is how you build it. This is how you do it, which I totally love. Okay. So let's talk about I, am I right in saying this is your favorite part is social media, like section number three? Um, Oh, I don't know. I, I think while I was writing this, this was the most natural one for me to talk about, uh, is just how you are creating your social media. So we could do so many different angles with social media. Okay. So I don't think we can, I think we just have to focus on what? We do. So I, social media is important in direct sales. So why, yes. why is social media important in direct sales? Why is this a, a big section in the book? 
Yeah. So it goes back to what we talked about in section one, or it's really about belief in your products, belief in your opportunity and belief in yourself. Mm -hmm. And you are positioning yourself as somebody that people look to as a guide. Years ago, when I read Building a Story Brand, it was by Donald Miller. It's still a great resource. It's still something that I reference, that I talk about really often. I even, in the book, talk about it there. You are not the hero of the story. When you are setting yourself up for a direct sales business, your job is to mentor and guide other people through either using the products or to the business opportunity. And what I often see people do is they build this personal brand where it's very me focused. It's very, this is my team, join my team, be a part of what I do. Look at the vacation that I took. Look at what I was able to do with my direct sales business or look at how great the results are on me versus what is the problem you resolve for your potential client? What is the desire that they really have? And ultimately, how are you different from the other people in your industry to actually help them solve the problem mm -hmm. or help them get to the desire that they actually have? So section three is loaded with so much information about how to be more intentional about your brand versus personal. Right. And I, and that is that is so important. It's not... I said it this this morning again on another on a Q&A session that I was doing. I almost said like your social media is your resume right now. Like it actually is people go there and look to say is she qualified to help me? Does yeah. she, like and they want to see proof that you have helped other people. They want to see proof that you actually have some sort of expertise. Right. Knowledge. And in the direct sales space, we see a lot of people that will say, oh, I'm not an expert or, oh, I don't, you know, I don't have a degree or certification, but really when it comes to direct sales, you're just one step ahead of the person that hasn't started yet. It could be right. care, it could be wellness, yeah. it could be anything, right? But your ability to showcase that on your social exactly. media is what builds that trust and credibility. It's like that, that backs up your invitations and the and the invites you're actually sending out. So, okay. So what do you think when it comes to section number three? It, I don't even, I can't say the most important because they're all important. They're what's, one, what's one thing you want to highlight in section number three? Just one teachable. Every direct seller needs three types of content. You okay. need brand awareness content. You need engagement content and you need sales content. And I know that a lot of people argue about, well, you shouldn't really sell on your grid, but I actually counter that argument with, you have to let people know the doors to your business are open, but there is a way to do it that doesn't feel salesy. And I talk about that in the book. I love it. Okay. Let's talk about the fourth thing that people Okay. And this is a, one of our favorites, um, healthy pipeline. <laughs> healthy yeah. pipeline. And okay, so why... Do you feel like healthy pipeline is essential in your direct sales business? Okay. So a healthy pipeline is really the flow you have from people who are just interested in your content on social media into people who become raving fans or they become your team members. And there is a strategic way that you move people through the pipeline, but here's what most people don't realize Let's say that you are, you've had some success in direct sales, you're starting to grow your team, but then you start to notice that your sales drop off and you're not quite sure why. And so you scramble over here and you try to increase your sales, but then you notice your team is like, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. 
it's because that you've let a funnel dry out. And the way that we teach healthy pipeline throughout the book, we actually teach this in our direct sales done right Academy. We have taught this to our organizations. It is just the one thing that helps you stay super focused on serving people well, no matter where they are in your, in your business, whether they are customers, whether they are repeat customers, whether they are team members, or they're just people who are maybe curious about what they do, what you do. Your healthy pipeline is really the exact formula to how to move people through that. Yeah. Most people in the, and I would actually, um, brought this up on my leadership mastermind because last week our session was on the healthy pipeline. And I asked them, I said, how many of you are rewarded in your company for client acquisition every single month? So your focus every single month is new, new, new. And every single one of the women, and they're in all different companies, all raised their hand and said, we focus on new every single month. We don't have a customer retention plan. You crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're missing out on so yep. much residual income because we are completely ignoring it. We are maybe doing yeah. cold market. We're focused on first time sales. And then we're just trying to turn people into team members. Like we're forgetting that whole middle section that is customer retention. That That is money on the table. That's that really is the gold. Yes. And we have, so we have talked about this at length. And I, when you realize it, the magic of keeping customers on product long enough so that they naturally become excited and anxious about like sharing it, it's a game changer, but you're right. Most network marketing companies, they, they focus on acquisition, not retention. Yeah. And then if you're in the direct sales space right now, and you're thinking, I don't have good, I don't have any success stories. I don't have a very good, like maybe your VIP group is not bumping. Maybe it's like dead. There are just crickets hanging out in there. It might be because that part of your pipeline has been neglected and you Mm -hmm. just have thought once they're in, they're in, and it's really jamming up your flow of success. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that, that, okay. that is one, that's going to be the, the section that people there's notes, there's like all of these things, all yeah. sticky notes, everything all over the book. So yeah, well, yes. kind of everything I, I, the first <laughs> time I got my hands on the book was a Google doc, which I hate anything that is on the computer. Like, I just don't like it. I want to annotate. I want a doggy ear. I want to highlight. And so when I got the book, I was like, this is amazing. Right. When I actually got my physical copy, it was a totally different experience. But even when I was reading it on the Google doc, I was like, this is so good. I can't wait for people to read this. It's going to be such like a game changer in their life. So, okay. Let's talk about the last section. Not not really the last section. There is a section. We'll mention that too, but let's talk about section. Got it. All right. So section five is all about conversations. Mm -hmm. This is probably the part that most people get themselves all worked up about. They get all tripped up over. They, they just worry that they're going to say all the wrong things. And so section five, I do give this, this note that it isn't a copy and paste, a surefire solution where you really can't get more confident in conversations until you're having conversations. That's the only way you're going to get better is to have more of them. But section five is really helping you find the confidence to have conversations and then a formula to actually 
convert. So if you are somebody that is just having conversations and you feel like you're going in circles or you're wondering how to start transitioning people from like just a normal conversation that had nothing to do with what you are selling or the opportunity that you have into how do you actually shift it over to what we're talking about that's really where the magic happens in section five. Yeah. And you really do walk through just the golden rules of inviting and it's on page 152. And I just, will you actually walk them through what the golden rules of inviting are? Cause I think they're good. It's just a good like tip Thanks. for people that are listening. Okay. All right. So there are eight of them uh, that I feel have really helped me in my direct sales business. And even what we do here at Chic. I actually think to be totally transparent with you, I I feel like this book would be helpful for any small business owner, whether they are in the direct sales industry or not. So the golden rules of inviting are as follows. Number one, speak less, listen more. Two, ask more questions. Three, identify the problems and speak to the solution. Four, gain permission to ask the hard questions. Five, Marry the output effort so that you can divorce yourself from the outcome. Six, follow up. This is important that I've even devoted chapter 17 to this topic. Uh, Number seven, depersonalize the objection. And then number eight, don't get mad, get curious. So those are really my eight rules for successful invitations. I love it. And they're broken down inside of that chapter as well. Chapter 14, you can actually read through like what each one of those means as well. So inviting is key. Having conversations is essential. It is a practice that takes time. It's something that you have to kind of be willing you're uncomfortable at at first that our first conversations we and you said this in the book too about like word vomit like we word vomit all over people it it is a practice to pause to be a good listener to ask good questions but it's something that you just have to do you get better exactly and I just think you need to know like it's okay you're going to make mistakes nobody's expecting you to be perfect um okay the last part of the book is, is called Break Glass in Case of an Emergency. And I know you you were, am I right in saying like you were a little nervous about this section? But I also felt like it was the most, not the most, but it was incredibly helpful. Um, you know, I, so I'm glad you put it in yeah. there. Because I believe that whether you're new in direct sales, you're in the middle of it, or you're sort of like leadership and beyond you actually do have moments of just like exhaustion or burnout. Yeah. Like it's a normal part of just life. So I talk about this, this sixth section that you have in here. And we can touch on it. I I will say that I do feel as though the direct sales done right book is for people who, yes, are new to the industry. There's so many key takeaways, support the mindset section, the invite, all of it. Mm -hmm. But I also feel that this is a book for people who have been in the industry for some time. And section six was a way of letting people know that you aren't alone, that the struggle that you are maybe walking through with your direct sales, maybe it's confidence, maybe it's leadership, maybe it's feeling like you're out there on Lonely Island trying to figure it out. That section is really devoted for the people who are in that space of, I just need a little bit of additional support. Mm-hmm. 
And for both Melanie and I, it's probably worth noting that we both have experience in the direct sales industry that had to do with fitness and wellness. So sometimes I feel like we had a leg up. We had an understanding of really our health and our body and, and just making sure that we were taking good care of ourselves. But that's not to say that we did. That's not to say we didn't fall into some unhealthy habits such as you know lack of sleep and burnout and working to the point of utter exhaustion and seeing the signs and, and maybe not doing a good job of recognizing those things right away. And so the the whole last section is really how you can work in a way that is healthy for you. And I do speak a lot of my experience as somebody who understands not being well, not being healthy. I too, and we didn't talk much about this, but a lot of the journey that I took with direct sales was also while battling stage four cancer. It was also while battling the the trauma that came after the cancer and then figuring out my body, how it best functioned after cancer. So for me, this idea of health is so personal, but it is so critical that everybody in direct sales is taking care of themselves because you can't take care of your customers, your team, unless you're really good at doing a good job of taking care of yourself. So true. It is so true. And I am grateful that we are in the wellness space and that we do have. And I also think that our industry, and I know this from working with other industry leaders, not a lot of companies focus on personal development as in-depthly as we have. You know, we really, that is such a, that is ingrained into who we are. And so we always have that strong foundation and a lot of people don't. And just having those routines and habits have served us incredibly well. And I do believe there are seasons of imbalance. We actually, you have just gone through a season of a little bit of imbalance where you had to invest a little more of your time and energy in the writing Mm -hmm. process, in the editing process, in the book process. And There were days where you're like, oh my gosh, this is too much. There is a lot. And then just our, our work on top of that, you know, yes, there are seasons, but now it's not a 24 seven for the rest of my life. I'm just going to churn with no end in sight. There is this cadence that we've started. And then we've also learned that setting healthier boundaries and saying no to things and, so I think some of it you can't avoid as a as somebody new in the business, but maybe those stories will help somebody make some better decisions Absolutely. in the moment, right? Like in the some of it you got to experience on your own, but hopefully yeah. stories will help you not feel alone or navigate it a little wiser. Yeah. I love the section too. I I talk about just what a healthy CEO is. And I provide all of these definitions of what a healthy CEO is. And then I leave blank space for you to say, this is my definition of healthy. This is when I feel at my best so that I can perform better. Right. Because everybody is very different. Even between you and yeah. I, we we both perform differently and optimally under certain situations. Yeah. And you never want to adopt the other person's definition as your own, especially if it's, it's like putting on a pair of shoes that aren't the right size for you. Like where your shoes wouldn't work, right? Like shoving those big old feet in in my shoes. Oh, bad. I just, could you imagine if I tried to wear your jeans? Like it just what you have to, you have to put on your own definition and be confident enough to own it and never apologize for it. Right. Mm. And so this sounds like a good question for you, Mel. What is your definition of success? Okay. So my definition of success is 
I am an Enneagram three by nature. So achieving and creating is really important to me. I actually very much love that. But my definition of success is really thriving in my career at a high, high level, but never at the cost of my personal relationships. Like I care deeply about my relationship with Matt, my relationship with my boys and my close friends. And so I just, I need to make sure that stays in balance. And then I would say even recently, I've added into my definition of success. It's that contribution. It's that significance. It's my family, but it's my health. I will never push myself to achieve at such a high level that I actually undercut my health because I've kind of seen what it happens when I, when I do that too. So, so yeah, I just, I'm an achiever and I love it. I like, you know, really love that high level of success, but I'm always love that. Yeah. I'm always saying like, how do I do them both? Right. How do I have the high high level of achievement yet? High, high relationships. So I love it. What's yours? What's your definition? Um, Well, even when we did the direct, I I do the personal success statement. And so my personal success statement that I stick with is I am content with what I have grateful in the pursuit of what I want and faithful in my belief that it will all work out for the good of many. And then I also uh, added a scripture that I refer back to, and it's just Philippians 1, 6, which says, he who began a good work in me will see it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So really just doing it for the well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. That's really what I'm here for. I I love it. I love everything about what you shared today and all of the nuggets of wisdom that you have given. And so how do you feel now that this book is out there? Like really was the process what you expected it to be of writing a book? What came up for you that you were like, oh shit, I was Mm. expecting that, you know? Yeah. We should probably do a tire different podcast about how to actually make it happen. Like how to actually do it because really in looking back at it, the process really started in January when I said, I'm going to write the book. Like it is time. I know. And it was just a little bit of action every day. It was mile markers every single day, little bit of action. And some days I would write And some days I would just like journal things out. And then it started to get a little bit more around May and June, but ultimately it feels almost surreal to take this idea and actually have it in front of you to say that this is, this is actually here. It is a real object. It is, it is something that I put so much time and heart into. And I wrote for the woman in direct sales who is trying to navigate it and figure it out and love what she does in the process and also love who she's becoming through the process. Cause I think that that is key too. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to have it done. It is. We're so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. I know this is forever and ever, as long as I've known you, you always said you were going to write a book. And so here the ever loving. Yeah. The ever loving <laughs> book. We can check that off the goal board. Yeah, so you guys, done. you can get your copy of direct sales done, right? A proven path to stop wasting time and start making meaningful money on Amazon. So you can yes. literally go to Amazon. You can add it to your cart. I will tell you, this makes a great reward for your team. So for example, I know my gift to all of my 
personally sponsored in the month of August is actually a copy of this book when they hit their goals. And one of the things that we do offer here at Chic Influencer is bundle. So you can actually order in bulk. We do have that option. I'll put that bulk order form in the show notes. Uh, You can also ship it directly from Amazon to people's houses, which is something else that I love because you can write a little handwritten note or not handwritten, but like a note in your Amazon, you know, gift, like as a little gift note to your personally sponsored that achieve their goals. So it's a great gift. Uh, it's a great thing to even just put as a part of your onboarding process. Every new distributor should have this as part of their onboarding process because it basically, it is your roadmap to success. It's a real honest, like this is what you need to do, how you should think and the actions you should take to get to where you want to be. So you guys, you can get it on Amazon. Thank Judy, thank you so much for taking the thank time you for to, having me. Yeah, be on the podcast today. This was great. It was fun. All right, you guys, if you are listening to today's episode and you loved it, make sure you take a screenshot, tag me at Melanie Mitro at Katie Writes Content on Instagram. We love to hear your key takeaways. And please share this with anybody you think needs to hear this message today. And I will see you back week, back next week for another episode.